0: Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen and we pray that you are blessed. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter five. That's where we're going to start today. Got a, a couple of different passages and texts we're going to use. Uh, if you're watching online, I want to invite you to um, find it on your computer or your phone or if you maybe even got the hard copy romans chapter 5 romans chapter 5 and we're gonna start with verse 12 and i'm gonna read from the new living translation of romans 5 starting with verse 12 you got it let me hear you say amen Are y'all looking on the screen y'all cheating right it's there when Adam, Adam, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol. Adam is a what? Adam is a symbol, a representative of Christ who was yet to come. Verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the man Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift, say result. The result of God's gracious gift is, a very, is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, verse 18, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but, say but, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone because one person disobeyed God many became sinners but because one person obeyed God many will be made righteous God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were but as people sinned more and more God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let the church say amen. Father, we thank you. And as we dive into this word and we reflect on uh, what you have to say to us today. I just pray that the word be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Izzy. Uh, well, good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone again. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. So good to see everyone, everyone back in the building. I just want to give a shout out to Pastor John. Many of you all don't know who Pastor John is, but he is the senior pastor of the Living Springs Church, the church where we are and have been for a number of years. And I just want to give a a major shout out to him and to his team who every year do such a phenomenal job decorating the church. Amen? Yeah, they do. Um, it really just kind of helps us really have a deeper appreciation for this Christmas holiday, um, him and his team. So, Pastor John, Pastor John, thank you um, for just your leadership in this building and in this community. You know, we've been in the series for the last uh, last week we started, and it's called, um, the, ser- the series is called Picture Perfect. Picture Perfect. And uh, last week, if you remember, we talked about how Uh, that so many of us, we all want picture-perfect lives, right? Uh, But the reality is that many of us find ourselves in some less-than-picture-perfect circumstances. Do you all remember that? Um, Circumstances, which could be anything from stuff that's happened in our marriage or in our finances or maybe the way that we were raised, our childhood, our upbringing. We find ourselves in less-than-perfect circumstances. And sometimes, just doing a little recap, sometimes we are of the impression that because our circumstances are less than perfect, that somehow that means that our life now is going to be less than perfect. And yet what we realized last week in Mark chapter four, if you remember, is that God does not require perfect circumstances in order to produce, in order to allow his will, his perfect will to manifest in our life. In fact, it's almost as if God says, I I wait for circumstances to get less than perfect so that my perfect will and my perfect plan can be manifested. Y'all remember that? We talked last week about Romans 12, how it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? the renewing of your mind, that when you start to think differently and see differently and believe differently, that's when you'll understand fully that God's plan for your life is in fact perfect. So much so that Paul says it best in Romans 12. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what is the good and acceptable will of God. Uh, and it says, it goes so far to say the good, uh, the, the good pleasing and perfect Will of God for your life, which communicates to us that God's plan for your life and for our lives and for my life is in fact perfect, even though we might feel like we're living in less than perfect circumstances. That's what we talked about last week. And if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go online and to look at the, uh, the rebroadcast. This week, I want to not talk about perfect Imperfect circumstances. This week, I really wanted to take some time and deal with how God has this way of using imperfect people to still work out His perfect plan in those people's lives. Y'all with me in here? Do we got anybody in here who is less than perfect? Anybody? <laughs> Just a few, a few of y'all, a few of y'all, a few of us in here are less than are less than perfect. Um, that's what I want to talk about today. You know. As I was preparing for this message, I was trying to imagine in my mind something that I felt was a really good invention that would really capture the essence of what the gospel does. And the thing that came to my mind, and you might be familiar with this if, you, if you've ever written any papers or have ever had to get some assignments done or maybe at work. Anyone know what this is right here? <laughs> White This is, this, I think this, there are three great inventions in this world, right? Um, the garage door opener is one of them, <laughs> come on now, <laughs> the garage door opener is one of them, um, uh, 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 air condition, come on now, is another one, actually there's more than three, the microwave, I gotta witness, even though it causes cancer, the microwave, is another one. Don't stand in front of the microwave when you're f- cooking your food, right? Uh, the microwave is another great invention. I think whiteout is somewhere up there and probably the one of the top 10. Y'all might be looking at me like I'm crazy, but I think it's somewhere up there in the top 10 because what this basically does is it says, no matter, no matter what mistake that you've made, specifically with pen, now unlike a pencil, you can erase, but with pen, that joker is permanent. And yet no matter what mistake you might have made with a permanent pen, whiteout will give you a second chance, say second chance. It'll give you a second chance. You can just apply a little bit of this. Now, if you keep on making mistakes, you're just gonna have to start all the way all the way over. But if you only make a couple mistakes, you can apply a little bit of this, and no one will know the difference. And it's so funny when I think about when I think about whiteout and what it is and how we apply it to to our lives. I truly believe that white out in a sense is a representative of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what, 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 what the gospel says to us is that when you've made a mistake and when you've messed up, Christ's blood, not white out, but Christ's blood has the ability to cover up that mistake and not just cover it up and then still hold it against you, but to cover it up and then cast it into the depth of the sea and remember it no more. Do I have a witness in here? And so that's the beauty of, of the gospel, and that's the beauty of what it means to be a Christian, to know that you and I actually have a second chance. Say second chance. So when we think about our lives, your life and mine, I think that we can all agree that some of us have done some crazy things and that it was only by the grace of God that we're still alive today and that it's not just imperfect circumstances that we've been in, but to a large degree, some of us may feel like we are, in fact, imperfect people. When you look in the mirror, You might see someone that has flaws and deficiencies and and issues that are too great for you yourself to overcome, and you don't know how you will ever amount to or become the dream that you have inside of yourself, because when you look in the mirror, you see someone who has made so many mistakes, whether it's in your relationships or marriage or finances or in your habits or in any other dimension or part of your life, you see someone who's made so many mistakes, it's hard for you to reconcile. How is it that, that God can still use someone as messed up as me? And yet this is where I think the beauty of the gospel, and this is why Christmas is so important. Okay, so let's rewind just a little bit. So when God created Adam and Eve in Genesis in chapter 1 and chapter 2, he created Adam and Eve, and they were perfect. Say perfect. Nothing was wrong with them. They were flawless. Adam was flawless. Eve was flawless. uh, And they were a a match made in heaven. Genesis chapter 3, sin comes in, and as a result of sin, what was now perfect now becomes imperfect. Not just the circumstance, but the people Adam and Eve now have issues and they have flaws and they pass those issues down to their sons and to their daughters and to their, through their lineage all the way now fast forward to where we are and we are the living result of Adam and Eve's sin. But something happened very interesting in Genesis in chapter three, where God steps in, and I'm not going to read it. It's in the text. I think it's around verse 17, where God steps in in Genesis in chapter three, and he says, Adam, why have you done this? Eve, why have you done this? Serpent, why have you done this? And what God begins to do, Ricky, is he begins to lay out curses upon Adam and Eve. He, He basically says, hey, because you've done this, cursed is the ground and cursed is the serpent and cursed is that and cursed is this and he begins to lay out curses he begins to lay out consequences that are going to take place and transpire as a result of their sin now many of us are familiar with consequences anybody in here got kids Yeah, we all know about consequences, right? If you do something wrong, you will get grounded. You will be punished. You will get spanked. Consequences, we're familiar with it. Well, with Adam and Eve, it was no different. God showed up and he said, listen, Adam, because of your sin, he says, now, now the ground will bear forth, not fruit and vegetation. Flowers won't come up naturally. The thing that will come up now are weeds. I've talked about this before. Weeds will come up out the ground. And then he says to Adam, in order for you to produce anything of benefit, anything of value in this world, you are now going to have to work for it. That is the curse, that if you are going to produce anything of value in this world, you are going to have to work for me. He says, he uses language where he says, from the sweat of your brow, you will have to toil the ground. And we've been punching the clock nine to five ever since. Come on now, do I got a witness? Fighting with our bosses and our bosses' bosses and our coworkers, uh, not satisfied in our roles, our jobs, waiting to, to, to be able to shake off the nine to five, wanting, we're looking forward to that great utopia day where we can retire. That's why we can't understand Miss Eleanor who retires two or three or four times. <laughs> we all long for that day when we can retire and we don't got to deal with those kids anymore, Miss Sheila right? We don't got to go into the classroom. We don't got to drive that truck anymore. We don't got to pack those boxes. We don't got to deal with no disgruntled patients in the, in the hospital. We don't got to clean up after nobody anymore. You know, we don't have to fuss or fight with anyone because we retired. We are all longing for that day because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. And because of that, we are now living under the curse, the curse of death. And I think that this death is not just something that has happened to us physically where we now are physically weak, but I think that this death is something that has happened to us mentally. And this death is something that has happened to us spiritually, and the death is something that has happened to us psychologically. So that now, when you wake up in the morning, you don't wake up excited about life. Most of us, that is. We don't wake up excited about life and excited about the possibilities. Many of us, our natural orientation is somewhat pessimistic. Our natural orientation is to be somewhat of a Debbie Downer or a Negative Nancy rather than coming into a space and being excited about all that can happen. I hope there's no Debbies in here or Nancys in here. I apologize. <laughs> That just hit me, <laughs> should have used a different different analogy. Uh, rather than waking up and being excited about all of the possibilities that can be, now we wake up kind of like, oh, do I have to again? Do I gotta fight that demonic traffic on the 91? Do I got to deal with these stubborn and these, you know, you know, gossiping co workers, do I got to deal with these kids and these neighbors and these and these bills? And our whole orientation is now somewhat negative. Am I, am I telling the truth? i in here. I mean, I mean, you might not be talking, I might not be talking about you specifically, but maybe you know someone sitting next to you, don't look at them, or someone around you who kind of has that orientation where it seems as though, oh me, oh my, nothing is going right in our life. I think that is a mental and psychological death that we are experiencing so that. We're not optimistic and hopeful and filled with joy. Joy is not the natural overflow of our lives, but, but, but rather it's frustration and annoyance and tension and, 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 and this uh, tribulation that we deal with from day to day. And I'm generalizing, so it may not specifically apply 100% to you, but I think in general, when Adam and Eve sin, they pass down to us a mental and emotional death. So that if we live long enough, the, the, just the, the, the burden of having to toil over and over and over again, trying to, to produce something positive from our life, it wears us it wears us down. And yet what's crazy is that you and I were made in the image of God. I'm going somewhere. We were made in the image of God. You and I were made to be love and to be joy. That when God shaped us, he said, I'm going to take all of who I am and I'm going to put it into all of who they are so that when I look at them, I see me. When they look at me, when they look at me, they see them. And we were created to be a perfect reflection of the character of God, not just his love and not just his generosity and not just his joy, but also of his creativity and his innovation that God created us to to always think of what could be the glass is in. Indeed, half full. That's how we were created. We were created to have this optimistic, hopeful orientation to life that even though we might come up against some opposition, it's all good because I'm here. <laughs> I can handle it, right? There's nothing that I cannot face, that I cannot overcome because I am created in the image of God. But something happened in Genesis 3 where the image of God, when Adam and Eve sinned, it's almost as if they handed over the power that God had given them when he created them to the devil. They handed over their trump card. They handed over this this creative genius, this joy in their life. And as a result, they got back pain. They got back suffering. They got back frustration. They got back mental and emotional death. And so because of sin, you and I, I believe, generally speaking, live, humans live far below the image of God. I love how Abraham Maslow, you all know Abraham Maslow? You've heard of uh, 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 Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? Well, Abraham Maslow says this. He says, the story of the human race is the story of men and women selling themselves short. Let that sink in. The story of the human race is the story of men and women selling themselves short. What does that mean for you? It means when you stand up and you look at something that you wanna do, but you feel like you don't, you, you don't have the ability to do it, you are selling yourself short. When you are faced with an opportunity or an obstacle and you feel like you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not fast enough, you are selling yourself short. When you look at all of the possibility and maybe the dreams that you had when you were a little kid, and now that you look at who you are and that those dreams will never become a reality, you are still selling yourself short. And I think on some level, we idolize on some, on some level like the Steve Jobs and the, and the uh, Elon Musk and the, what's the other one for Amazon? Amazon. Um, Jeff Bezos, like we idolize and we, and, we, and we romanticize about these brilliant minds who created some dynamic inventions that have literally changed the world. But then when we look in the mirror, we say to ourselves, we could never do something like that. And if that is your thought, you are selling yourself short because you were created in the image of God. And if nothing is impossible for God, guess what? Nothing is impossible for you. Oh, y'all don't really believe it up in here. I mean, do you really, really believe it? It's almost as if the, the path of maturity that you and I have experienced from a child to now an adult is almost like the path of like deconstructing our dreams. Because if someone were to come in here with a crazy idea of going to the moon in back in 11 seconds, no, in 11 minutes, you would look at them and you would say what? You crazy. <laughs> you would say, oh, that's one of them five-year-old dreams, Dr. Mitchell. That's one of the five-year-old dreams, right? Because And, and we call ourselves mature, but really what we're doing is we have deconstructed the image of God in our life so that now we don't live from a place of creativity and possibility of what can be, now we live in this thing called reality. And reality is nothing more than the the mental confines that you have placed around your life. And I can only imagine that God is looking up and he's looking at his children, and yes, he loves us, and I'm not talking about salvation, I'm just talking about you living into all of your potential in Christ. And God looks at us and says, I have created you to be so much more than what you have become, but you have bought into this idea that you are not good enough, that there is something inherently wrong with you. And I want to tell you today is that our God, understanding this, has done everything possible to try to reverse the curse in our life. You see, let's be very clear, that mentality of I can't or I won't or I'm not good enough, that is a result of the curse. But when Christ came on Calvary, and that's why we celebrate Christmas as such a hopeful and and a, and a a beautiful holiday is because Christmas actually represents the hope and the possibility that the curse doesn't have to have dominion over my life but that I can actually, by the grace of God, reverse the curse. Okay, so let's, let me, let's just go to the word and let's look at it. Let's look at the, look at the word. So we just read Romans, Romans chapter, Romans chapter 5. And let's go back and look at it again. Because Romans 5 lays out for us perfectly everything that God is trying to do in our lives. He says, when Adam sinned, verse 12, sin entered the world. Uh, and Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Again, this death, in my understanding, is not just a mental, physical death, but it is a mental and a spiritual and a psychological death. Verse 13, yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, Everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as as Adam did. Now, Adam was largely a representation of Christ who was yet to come, but there is a significant difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many Through this man, Jesus Christ. And as, verse 16, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. What Paul is trying to communicate is this concept, this belief that when Adam sinned, Adam, as we know, passed down his Death to all of us, but when Christ came and obeyed because of Christ, you and I now have access to to living a precursed life you 're all with me in here a precursed life meaning that 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 I can actually live my life today as someone who who experienced someone who Who was alive before the curse let me say it differently so the life I live now is not actually does not have to be characterized by the curse but the life I live now can be characterized by the promise that happened before the curse are y'all with me in here okay so 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 I think we we may struggle, we may struggle with it because for us, it seems so foreign because we feel as though we are who we are. But what I want us to understand is that who you are is largely a result of what you believe. Who you are and how you live your life is largely a result of your mentality, of your theology, of your understanding of what God has or has not done in your life. And so when you accept Christ as your savior, you're not just saying, okay, Christ has come to save me and that when he comes again, I will be saved. But when you accept Christ as your savior, you are actually accepting the promise of God on your life that even today you can be fully restored in Christ Jesus, Okay. Now obviously I'm not talking about a physical restoration because we are we are flesh and blood and as a result of sin our flesh and blood de- decay. I'm talking about a mental and psychological regeneration. So that now the way you look at your life is not the same way you looked at your life prior to Christ. Now the way that you look at your life is one filled with hope and possibility. And when you confront messed up circumstances, you don't say to yourself, oh, I guess this is the way it is. You say to yourself, I am a child of God. I was created in the image of God. If life and death is in the power of the tongue and I have not been created in the image of God, I can speak life over my circumstances and over my situations. And I believe that because of my faith in Christ and what he has done for me, that I am now a change agent living on this earth and that my my reality isn't shaped by the curse. My reality is reshaped by the blood of Jesus Christ okay okay so so God created us in his image Uh, the the Adam and Eve sinned and the curse has marred that image but when Jesus came through as a baby and died on the cross he is basically redeeming us back to his image okay y'all don't believe me okay Uh, y'all don't believe me um will y'all believe the word if I show you in the word are you sure? Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, uh, verse 3. Are y'all sure y'all gonna believe it if I show y'all? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, can we put this one on the screen for Candace? 1 uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Okay, there it is. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 2 Peter, 2 Peter, 2 Peter, 2 Peter. Uh, by his divine power, God has given us, how much? No, nah, y'all, y'all, come on now. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a, a godly life. I, 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 like, I like how another translation says it. It says that it, another version, another verse says that by these precious promises, we are now partakers of his divine nature it says that by these precious promises we are partakers of his divine nature what is what is what is what is he talking about it's talking about that the life you now currently live is not characterized by the curse that your life doesn't have to be characterized by weeds, as a, which are a result of the curse, and thorns, which are the result of the curse, and thistles, which are the result of the curse. But that your life now can be characterized by hope and joy and optimism and positivity. Now, this is not just some Christian science, positive emotions, me trying to get you to, 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 to name it and claim it. Like, that's not what this is. This is me trying to help you, as I'm helping myself, understand really the difference that the gospel makes. Because I think for many of us, the gospel has only made, um, we've been taught that the gospel only makes a, a future salvation difference. That because I accept Christ as my savior, yeah, when he comes one day in many, many years from now, I'll be saved. But there's really no difference it makes in my mental, spiritual, psychological orientation today. And what I want to say to you is that what the Bible teaches us is that no, that when you truly understand what it means to be redeemed by the blood of the Lord, by the blood of the Lamb, and to be bought back because of what Christ has done, that Christ is actually now imparting into us who we were prior to the curse, which is a I am made in the image of God mentality. And yes, I might still have some trials and I still got tribulations. Why? Because I'm still confined to this earthly sinful world. But that doesn't mean that my Mind has to be earthly or my mind has to be sinful or my orientation has to be characterized by this earthly sinful world. But I can literally step into space and just believe in my heart that God is for me. And if God is for me, who is going to be against me? And I become a walking, talking, living, breathing image of God on this earth that we are God's children. He is capital G-O-D, and you and I are lowercase G-O-D. We are his children. I heard someone say that God stands for greatness on display. That's better than GOAT. Last week you talked about GOAT. A Couple weeks ago you talked about GOAT. Greatest of all time. Greatest of all time means that you had your time, and your time is over. Greatness on display is just ongoing. And that your life and my life should be characterized by greatness on display. Why? Because I am actually made in God's image that mean I don't got issues? No, I got some issues. I, got, I still got some problems. I still got some messed up circumstances. I still got some situations that are less than ideal. But I know that God is able to take this person who was imperfect. And because of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and because of one man's obedience, now I can experience the righteousness of Christ in God. And my life can be elevated above my circumstances. <laughs> um you think about the disciples, and I think the disciples are a good example of God taking some people who had clearly imperfect lives. I mean, if you think about who the disciples were, Peter was a fisherman, right? But he was also impulsive, constantly putting his foot in his mouth. Peter was the one who cut off the soldier's ear. Y'all remember that? Uh, He was a, a cursing sailor, fisherman, Um, He denied the Lord three times. Andrew was Peter's brother. John was a fisherman, but he was ambitious. John was the one who was always trying to sit at the right hand of of Jesus. You know, when you get to your kingdom, can I sit at your right hand? He was the one who was very judgmental. Um, Philip was a fisherman, but he had a questioning attitude. Philip was the one who was like, can you show us the Father? If you show us the Father, we'll really believe in you. Right, Matthew was a tax collector, and we know that they all hated Matthew because Matthew associated himself, though he was a Jew, he associated and aligned himself with the Romans. And if you align yourself with the Romans, that means that you are really kind of kicking your own people to the curb. And so people hated Matthew because he was a tax collector and he was despised, right? Um, Thomas was doubting Thomas. He was the one who came up to Jesus at the end and was like, listen, if you're really the Christ, let me touch your hands and touch your side and let me see if you really are the Christ. Um, there, there's Thaddeus, who was the son of, of James. Mark replaced Judas. And when you look at these 11, 12 disciples, they all had major issues. And yet God somehow, Jesus somehow said, listen, I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm looking for redeemed people. There's, there's perfect people and there's redeemed people. And redeemed people are people who say, oh, you know what, yeah, I, I, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I've done some dirt. I've had made some mistakes. My life is less than ideal. You know, I, I, if I look back over my, over my situation, over my time, yeah, there's some, there's some show enough some skeletons in the closet. And they're not even skeletons. They full-blown bodies in the closet. Like, I got bodies in my closet. And Christ is like, you got bodies? Great, I can use you. The question, though, is are you redeemed, Sam? Redeemed, meaning, have you accepted me as your Savior? Have you have you allowed my Holy Spirit to come in and to and to begin to reshape and, and to reorient and to rewire how you live and think about your life? If you are redeemed, Christ says, despite of all of your mess and what you've been and where you've been, I can use you. God is not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be redeemed. And Christmas is about redemption, where the baby is born, and that baby is a sign of what we can become. That you and I no longer have to live under the curse. The curse which says that I am nothing, and I have to work and toil all the days of my life and that I have this negative orientation. No, but because of Christ, you and I can live under the promise. The promise which says that I'm going to put enmity enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your seed. The promise which says that one day unto us a a son will be born, a savior will be given to us, and he will be called the Prince of Peace. One day that the Jesus will come into this world and the promise says that he will come and he will take away the pain of the curse and he will give us the promise of his salvation. That what Christ is looking for and what Christ is longing for for us is redemption. I love how Galatians chapter 3 says it. It says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing." For it is written in the scriptures, curse is everyone who is hung upon a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with whom, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. What Paul is telling us is that through Christ, we are redeemed from the curse. And that as a result, we can now have not just peace with God, but we can now live in a place of full image of Godness, where my heart and my mind is now aligned with the will of God. I think this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the life that is fully surrendered, that God says, I will take your mentality and your issues, and I will transform you so that now when you leave this place, you will leave feeling as though you are unstoppable because you are my child. Uh, I think about about celebrities, children often when I think about the image of God, and one in particular that comes to my mind is the, the family of LeBron James, his oldest son, Bronny, who is playing in high school basketball. And they had a game not too long ago. And uh, the game was actually at the, the the Staples Arena, now Crypto.com Arena or something like that. Uh, and the game was there. And it, and it blew my mind that here you have a high school student who is playing in in the the Staples arena and the Lakers logo was on the floor and LeBron was in the stands and obviously that was his father. And it just blew my mind that, wow, like because he, he is the son of LeBron James, right, he has certain access to certain places that, that, other people may not necessarily have access to. He can run in certain circles that other people can't necessarily run into because of his relationship to his father. And while I was thinking about that, I just couldn't help but just try to somehow relate that to who you and I as our sons and daughters of Christ that because our father is indeed the God of all gods, he is greatness on display and that he sits high and we are made in his image and he calls us his children, why is it that we have such a low esteem of ourselves? Why is it that we feel as though we're not good enough or we can't do it or we can't accomplish it or if we step out there, we're gonna fail or, or, or it's me against the world, no, 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 it's me and my daddy against the world and he ain't never lost. And so for us, when we go out and we live our lives as redeemed children, sons of God, we have to, and daughters of God, we have to do so with an understanding that yeah, my circumstances might be less than ideal, and I myself still might have some, some, some issues, but I know in my mind, I know who I am. And every day I wake up and I affirm my, my identity in Christ, I am a child of God and because I'm a child of God, I have access to everything that he has given me, that, that, that the, the riches of heaven and earth are at my disposal, and that there is nothing, there is no good thing that he will withhold from me because I am his child. So when Christ came, he literally reversed the curse. He took, he took the, the sin and the failure of, of Adam and Eve upon himself, And he said, I'm going to become now, I'm going to become sin for you. And I'm now giving you my identity. I'm giving you now my righteousness. And so that all that we are is a transaction that has been made on Calvary so that now you and I can live life with hope and optimism and joy and positivity to know that no matter what comes before me, I will overcome because I am more than a conqueror. Do you believe that? I mean, if you believe it, can you just t- tell your neighbor behind you or in front of you, I am more than a conqueror? And they'll know if you're lying or not. <sighs> like, can, can you just tell them I am more than a conqueror? That, that who I am is greater than my circumstance? Who, that, that who God has made me to be is, 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 is greater than my past mistakes? That I have, yeah, I've made some mistakes, but I've stepped over and I am now redeemed. I'm redeemed. The curse has been reversed and I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ because of what Jesus has done for me. Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I can, I can say it today, but I don't know how I feel Monday morning. I don't know how I feel Monday morning when I get up and, I, and I'm faced with the same issues and I look in the mirror and I'm faced with the same problems that are still plaguing me and haunting me from my past. I don't know if I'm going to feel redeemed. Well, listen, I'm not telling you to feel redeemed. I'm telling you to know that you are redeemed. Guess what, Paula? I didn't feel like working out this week. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. It ain't about what you feel like. The promise of God is not contingent on your feelings. Sometimes you have to inform your feelings. I'm telling you, I don't feel it. I I know it in my heart because this is what the word says to me. God has said, I am his child. And so he says, he says, (laughs) Adam's sin brings condemnation, but Christ's act of righteousness brings a right relationship and a new life for everyone. I, I love how Paul says it in another verse. He says, He says, um, uh, therefore, we are now new creatures. What does that mean? Eh, my body's the same, but if he says we're new creatures, what is he talking about? He's talking about our mind, my thoughts. My heart, my, my, the way that I think and approach life, I am now a new creature in Christ. I don't live a life from fear. I live a life from love. I don't live a life from poverty. I live a life from abundance. I don't live a life from, 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 what, from lack. I live a life from overflow. I declare it with my mouth. This is who I am. I speak life over myself and over my family. This is where we're going. This is what we will do. And because I declare it with my mouth and because I am made in the image of God, it shall come to pass. You see, many of us, our relationship with God is too cerebral. It's too, it's too, it's too cookie cutter up here. And we don't feel it here. For many of us, it's it's like, well, this doesn't show up in our 28 fundamental beliefs, so I'm not sure about that, Pastor. Right? right. No, I'm telling you, uh, the story of humanity is the story of men and women who who failed to understand who they really were in Christ. The story of humanity is the story of men and women who failed to truly understand the power they had access to, the potential that was, that was birthed inside of you when Christ came, and he redeemed you. He filled you with everything you need to live life, to live a, a godly life. He has filled you with hope and joy and possibility. And so live your life. Live your life in Christ, redeemed. When I think about uh, communion, communion is about you embracing a new identity in Christ. We have the little package here of the juice and the wafer. And this juice and wafer, this represents the blood and the body of Christ. If you didn't get one, just raise your hand, we'll give one to you. This wafer represents the body of Christ. And this blood, this juice represents the blood of Christ. That's what it means. And, and, and do you know why we, why we eat this bread and we drink this, this juice? Paul tells us in, in Corinthians, he says that as often as you do this, it is a sign of the new covenant that you proclaim the death of Christ until he comes. That when Christ was sitting around the table with his disciples at the last supper, in that moment, he, he instituted a new covenant, a new covenant, which basically says that when you accept me, I will give you my spirit and my spirit will write my law on your heart. And there will be something in you that will compel you to live a life for me. That it's not outward observance that will be forced upon you through commandments, but it's inward spirit that will rise up in you through my Holy Spirit. And that's essentially the new covenant. It's a covenant that we form with God that says, I believe in you, I accept you as my savior, and that my life is now redeemed and changed by you. The challenge with doing this though, is that we take this communion, we drink, we drink this juice and we eat this waiver, and then we leave out of here thinking the same way we thought when we came in. It, it, it's almost like um, uh, you might have a rash, you put a little lotion on it, you think that deals with it, but you really got something that you need an antibiotic for to get in there and to root out the infection. And so we leave here with the same mentality as we came, but we just feel that somehow covered because we have accepted Christ. But accepting Christ isn't just a transaction. Accepting Christ is a transformation that takes place in your mind and in your heart. So my prayer for us is that when we consider this juice and this wafer that we are about to partake of, that we do it, we don't take it as some type of, outward transaction between us and God, but that we understand that this really represents a changed mind, the new covenant, that God, I want you to change the way I see myself, to change my thoughts. I want to step out into my true identity, image of God, creator child of God. And as I drink this, I'm doing so as a testament that, God, I desire your spirit to come in and to rewrite my my orientation, my DNA, my, my mental process, so that when I think about my life, I don't think about it from a glass half full, but now I see that as a child of God, I am more than a conqueror. When you take this, I want that to be your predominant thought. I am more than a conqueror. Do you believe that? Ah, pastor, I don't believe it because last night wasn't conquering. Last night I was getting conquered In in more ways than one. It's all good, right? It's all good. You're still more than a conqueror. Yeah, your, your behavior just hasn't caught up with your identity. But as you continue to, to establish your identity in Christ, your behavior will catch up. Yeah, your behavior will catch up. So that's why Christ, that's why he, he, he justifies us before he sanctifies us. He says, I'm going to call you new before you're actually new. <laughs> because if I call you new, eventually your behavior will catch up. But if I wait for your behavior to, to act new, that ain't never going to happen. So I justify you. I call you something before I expect you to actually do that something. And over time, your behavior will catch up and the two become aligned together. Just never cast off what God has called you. God has called you his son and his daughter. So be his son and his daughter in Christ Jesus. So Paul Paul gives us directions in 1 Corinthians, verse 23. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine and supper, after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So on this Christmas holiday season, we want to partake together. Father, we thank you for the blood and the body poured out blood in the broken body of Jesus Christ and today we enter into relationship with you again we renew our covenant and as we renew the covenant that you formed with us God we ask for a renewed mind a renewed heart a renewed spirit that when we look in the mirror we will see sons and daughters of you that we go through life that we will have a predominant thought that we are more than conquerors That the curse will be reversed, the weeds will be plucked out, that our life will not be one that leans towards negativity, but our life will be one that leans towards hope, that leans towards positivity. And so we take this cup and this bread and we eat it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you partake with me? the church say amen do you remember when you used to um when you started walking does anyone remember when they started walking of course not (laughs) but something happened when you started walking the moment you started walking you also started falling but the fact that you're here today is a testament that you didn't give up. You probably looked around and you saw other people walking. You saw your mom walking, your brother or sister walking. You saw your grandparents walking. And you were determined in your mind at your young age, how old, how old are walkers, 18 months, two years old, right? Younger, six, 12 months, right? You saw your 12 month self was determined that if other people are walking, I'm gonna walk too and you had the encouragement and support of your family and friends to keep pushing you along to help you walk. And as you started walking more and more, your legs got stronger, your confidence grew, and look at you now, walking all by yourself. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same thing in Christ. Same thing in Christ. Yeah. That you, you start off on this road with, with negative orientation about who you are and you fall and you get up and you fall and you get up and sometimes we fall and we stay down. But I want you just to keep getting up, to keep getting up and to surround yourself with other people who are also thinking along the same wavelength of who you are in Christ. You are a child of God. I am made in His image. I am set apart and ordained for a special purpose. God has plans for me that are greater than me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want you to keep getting up and keep getting up. And I promise you, keep getting up before long, your mentality will grow strong and it'll be fortified. So when the devil comes in and starts with, he comes in with his doubts and he comes in with his discouragement, you can look at him like, listen, that may have worked on me last year, but it ain't ain't getting me this year, right? Because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I am a conqueror. And this little situation I'm facing, they don't got nothing on my God or who he has created me to be. Are y'all with me in here? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we in this moment are so grateful that you didn't leave us in the state under the curse, but because of your love for us, you sent your son to reverse the curse so that now, though there may be negative lack of hope, despair that is all around us we can live lives filled with possibility and promise their lives don't have to be characterized by by loss or lack but our lives can be characterized by joy and by hope and so our prayer god is that as we go forward today and this week we would do so with a renewed mind that we are more than conquerors that you have given us everything we need to be partakers of your divine nature, that everything we need to live a godly, righteous life has been given to us in Christ Jesus. We don't need anything else. We don't need more help, God. We just need to recognize who we are in Jesus. So today, Father, we renew our heart's commitment and our uh, our identity in Christ. May May we covenant with ourselves that we won't let a day go by without us affirming who you have made us to be. And even though we might not feel it, God, may we know it. And may our knowledge of your word and the knowledge of your promise override our feelings every day and twice on Sunday, God. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. May we have a renewed mind that even though we may not be perfect, God, we are redeemed. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, say so. Amen. Amen.